0: design that's on the shelf all around us isn't just somebody's design, that that could be somebody's memory from when they were on holiday and the textile designer was inspired to create those flowers and the leaves and things like that. So there's actually, I feel that there's a lot of respect and, and story and worth behind each pattern so I can understand why they're protected. And that's also why I wanted to create an elevated website to yeah. respectfully re-home what shouldn't go in the bin.
1: Welcome back to a new series of Houseguest with me, Carol Annett, chatting to clever people who shape the world around us through decoration and design. Over the next few weeks, my guests include Queen of Colour Sophie Robinson, the King's goddaughter India Hicks, the co-founder of furniture company Neptune, and this week I sit down with Jules Haynes, who's on a mission to reduce waste in the textile industry. Today, I'm sitting with Jules Haynes, who's the founder of Haynes, an online resale platform for designer textile brands with surplus, mismatched or dead stock fabric, otherwise destined for landfill. And now over the last few years, Jules has kind of been everywhere and you sort of hear this and hear that. And it's the kind of thing that everybody feels something should be done about, but not everybody has the time or the energy or the inclination. So welcome, Jules. Thank you so much. It's really lovely to see sit down with you, you. Um, and meet you properly um, and congratulations honestly because it's such an amazing thing that you have created really in a very short space of time. So tell me when did you sort of become aware of the excess waste in textiles? Well I used to work for a textile designer um, about probably
0: 10 years ago now and that was the first time that I really got a good understanding of of the interiors industry, but also the huge amount of waste in the industry. So whether it's during the print process, when um, there are obviously colour discrepancies, or it could be from our garden maker who had a funny L-shaped piece that came back to us. And I was the employee who was like, no, no, don't worry, we're not going to throw them away. I'll take them home. So I was living in London and I'd get (laughs) on the tube with like bags. My husband, uh, probably boyfriend at the time was like, what are you doing? But um, I think, It's natural for me to not waste anything Um, but then yeah it turned into something that I became passionate about and then I started the business because I moved to Tunbridge Wells um, in Kent and there was a pop-up shop on the high street and it sort of said outside clearance sale fabrics. Obviously, I went in and um, he, chatting to him, he explained that he was a high-end curtain maker and he did upholstery um, for quite a lot of large brands. And he said that he's always left with remnants and the brands don't want them back because they're, you know, moving on to the next thing. And he said he knows that they're beautiful and good quality. So he sets them aside in his warehouse, which he said costs him money anyway uh, in warehousing and uh, he does a sale every year and he said for him it took up a lot of his time he had to hire the pop-up space and that's when I thought there should be this sort of beautiful resale platform Um, it seems crazy that he has to go out of his way to make sure that these aren't chucked away and so from that moment I've sort of really thought how can I make this easier than throwing it in the bin that's uh, so I try any brand or manufacturer or supplier I work with I always remain really flexible to make it work for them because every company's different and I just say you know as long as we can help you we'll we'll make it work.
1: And so was the idea always in the beginning to make things out of these remnants or to sell them as remnants with giving people ideas?
0: Yeah it was always to sell them as is and often we still do that you know if we get a strange shape in even if it's got a long sort of 20 centimeter piece coming off it we'll just leave it on there because someone might have the imagination to use it for a bit of piping or something like that so we definitely always wanted to try and do it as is and then as we started to work with people we got smaller and smaller pieces and that was when we decided to make up some items So the cushions that are on our website we wouldn't cut into fabric to make the cushions we'll make them from strange bits and bobs that have come through but anything sort of half a meter and full width onwards would then go on our website for somebody else to reimagine
1: and do you think that you have influenced the way that trends towards kind of interiors and mismatching and that kind of thing has happened or do you think you've hit the kind of zeitgeist uh, you know <laughs> in which way yeah because I, I feel then. that in a way you have kind of influenced the way that we now think about um fabrics and using, you know, trying to get the most out of um mm. of the piece. Mm. I mean, I'd love to take that. I'd love to say that I, I'm <laughs> an influencer me. and I've
0: influenced. And what's really nice is when you speak to some brands, and even I was speaking to one recently who gave me a walk around, and he said afterwards, and they're really good, super sustainable. And he said afterwards, um, actually, just even talking to you, I've had some, you know, you've said some things that's given me, you know, new ideas of how to do things. Um, so I, I would really love to take that. I think lots of us kind of have it in us, and often generations before, you know, the whole make do and mend and things like that that we've maybe sort of forgotten that part of our heritage. And lots of people are naturally good at it. But I think for lots of people, it's a bit more effort to then think, oh, how can I do this? Whereas actually, I can just buy it brand new and as is. So I think unless you're sort of creative anyway, um, then maybe it's a bit too much effort. But I kind of love that part of it.
1: And you work with some amazing brands. I mean, Mm. the Linwood have very kindly offered us their showroom today. So we're sitting in the Linwood showroom, Mm. but you work with Pierre Frey, Port Romana, Femoy, Designers Guild, Christopher Farr. Was it very much kind of you wanted to go for that level of quality fabric to start with?
0: Yeah, I think um, it was really important for me knowing what I knew when I started the business, that the people that have often have the most waste are the bigger brands because they don't have the capacity to deal with all the small bits. And quite early on, we um, started working with a company who fitted out hotels and they said to us, as a standard practice, anything under three meters is put to one side as a remnant. Anything under three meters put to one side and they hire a skip in to throw it away and but that for you and I that's like two blinds in in our kitchen or something but because they're dealing with such high volumes thousands thousands of fabric you know it's all relative and and so they see that as a really tiny thing and just sort of throw it away so I always knew that that's where I wanted to go and the dream would be to work with wonderful amazing big companies like like Linwood and, and Sanderson and sort of help them with that problem and lots of the brands don't no, they have a problem perhaps until I come along and, and maybe point it out um so it still sometimes feels like a bit of an uphill struggle but I think because I love fabrics maybe that's why I've been drawn to the luxury side
1: of it as well um and what so what is your background did you do university did you do fine mm, art what mm, where did you kind of start um well I've always loved textiles
0: so um I spent a lot of holidays with my grandmother in Scotland and she had a big chest of drawers in the hallway that was full of remnants. And so every time I'd go and stay, and she had an old singer sewing machine. So when you'd be sort of, and obviously no, sadly no internet and and fun things like that, um, iPads um, when I was growing up. So it was a lot of sort of making things and I would make cushions and slippers and things like that. So I was always really drawn to beautiful fabrics. I should have studied, Textiles at um, university because I was rubbish at everything at school, and and honestly, and I look back and I think, oh. why didn't I? Why didn't I take textiles seriously? But, and to sort of not, it wasn't really a thing, you know, to yeah. be to. Being encouraged to be more creative wasn't really what was going on in the sort of late 90s. So I didn't, but I decided to do business because I thought, oh, that covers everything. Um, So yeah, I went to Newcastle and um, got two on in business management. And then um, after that, I worked for Cancer Research UK actually for five and a half years. And I really loved working for... Um, a company that was so cause-driven. Really, everyone was so passionate. I worked with them for over five years. And then my um, husband, boyfriend at the time, got a job in Singapore. And so I went out with him and met a textile designer, Jane, and she had been doing fashion textiles and she was just moving her prints over to home textiles. And because I was out there and I wasn't married and I couldn't get work, yeah. So I worked for free for her um, at the beginning. And anyone who's interested in getting this industry, I would always say that work for free, wherever you want to end up being. If you can offer your services free because you learn so much. And generally, if people like you, they then hire you, which is what happened to me because we ended up moving back to England after a couple of years. Jane was moving back to England at the same time. So we started um, the brand over here. And then, yeah, that's how I really got into it
1: and you also have the Haynes curates which is this lovely area on the website where you champion designers who are working in an environmental way mm. so how do you choose people who who are going who are going to go on there
0: well yeah it kind of came about because lots of people Wanted to shop in a sustainable way for their home, but um, because most of our fabrics um, are remnants, so there's only a finite amount, they um, were like, oh, you know, I want, need 30 meters of that and things like that. So people were asking me for which designer would you say would be somebody that's, um, you know, environmentally friendly? And, and I think I would always also say that it's really hard to be 100% environmentally friendly. I think everyone feels that, whether it's it's them at home with with their recycling or whether it's a manufacturer um, with their print process. But so it was actually something that just came about, talking to people and getting a good feel for people who really cared about sustainability. And they'd spoken to their manufacturer about how they dealt with their water. They knew about the fabrics that they were printing on and they'd specifically chosen natural or the print process they made sure that the inks were all you know, natural or not harmful. So it's something that sort of came up upon me. And when it came to choosing them, I think it was just, we've got really great relationship with our audience and our customers. And I have a good sort of feel for the kind of things that they like. So it's just really fitting into that.
1: And um, you recently did a collaboration with Daydress with Gabby, Gabby Deeming. So nice.
0: Yeah, that was really exciting. So um, Gabby approached me at the end of last year and said, look, I've got all of these cottons that are from the dresses. and, And I really respect for this. She said quite and quite rightly, she said, I don't want to just keep making little bits and bobs with the leftovers. We've all got enough tote bags or laptop cases (laughs) and things like that. Um, So she said, I'd love to use your services as a resale platform which is ultimately all we are and so yeah we we had her we've um now stocked um her fabric by the meter but we also made us up items because they're just the perfect weight for a pleated lampshade or a frilly cushion um lots of the fabrics that we come across are sort of more heavyweight um upholstery weight um so we saw it as a brilliant opportunity to actually make some of our our own stuff together and yeah that's gone really well really well and it, it it fits in so beautifully in your home, particularly because they're sort of small prints. So they're really easy to live with amongst your maybe more sort of larger, bolder prints that you might have.
1: So where do you see Haynes going in the future? (laughs) Um, Well, world domination, obviously.
0: Um, We're actually, I spent a bit of time out in America in April and I'd really like to see our model working um, in the same way that it does here over there. So we're starting those conversations um, and we've got a growing customer base there as well. So I'd really like to be able to, yeah, offer our services in the U.S. and further, you know, Australia and and throughout Europe. Yeah, and I'd like to sort of expand the other ranges that we have. We've got fabric predominantly, um, but we also resell products, X display, it could be furniture. And we just went into tiles, um, lights. So it's really building up those conversations with those brands to fill up those sort of categories as well
1: and it's very difficult having just renovated a house it's mm. very very difficult to get quantities right <laughs> yeah exactly and you have to over order yeah
0: you know there's like is it with tiles it's like 20 percent or something there's yeah. some sort of standard and and I think that's it and, and lots of people are savvy and they will put it on Facebook marketplace or you know things like that but I think if you could turn around to the person who supplied your tiles and said oh I know that you don't buy them back but can you recommend anywhere or can you take them back? And then, you know, um, they'll redistribute them or or use them as samples or something. I think, I think everyone's slowly beginning to get better about servicing this area of surplus that is been building up.
1: So if I have some leftover fabric, give me some ideas of clever things to do. <laughs> well if you're a keen sewer I
0: would recommend, <laughs> you know, draft excluders depending obviously on the size for you and I there was the average customer and um, you could pop on eBay, you could sell it. You get lots of charities um they take um fabrics but if you wanted to make it into something I mean probably in real terms you'll fold it up you'll put it in a cupboard and you forget about it and then you'll come across it in 10 years time and go oh I remember that fabric I still haven't done
1: anything with that I must do something
0: but that's what I do. (laughs) But yeah
1: but also what I love about fabric is the like you say it's the memories Mm. you know and it's the I always remember when I was growing up it was um you used to be able to buy in Laura Ashley Mm. little um hexagonal pieces oh, yes. that you would then make into a quilt or make into a cushion so nice. you, it was those and they all sort of fit together mm. and it was um I suppose in a way she was a kind of doing sort of what you what you're doing you know yeah. using the offcuts yeah. um to yeah. to create something and my mum made me this quilt which I had for years and years and years and it sort of slowly fell apart. Um, but I think it's, you, you know, you you can see how things are developed and obviously in the fashion industry, the whole kind of waste of, of the fashion industry has been a talking point for years and it just seems extraordinary that we didn't start talking about it yeah. in interiors earlier. Yeah,
0: definitely. And that's something that I sort of harp on about quite a lot. So there's a report that came out in 2019 that RAP did. And who, who, and who are RAP? RAP, they're an NGO and they... Um, Um, are focused on helping us deal with climate change they do quite a lot of reports and it could be on food waste it could be on textiles Um, it's um, it's a really interesting resource UK based but the government have just commissioned um, some work from them and that was about the longevity of textiles so they've done a huge report and I just think it's really exciting that the government are now interested in that and it's just an home textiles, because their earlier report um, in 2019 said that 42% of textile waste in the UK landfill is from the home. So that's nearly half. And so we've obviously had years and years of talking about fashion textile waste and blah, blah, blah. But actually, Nearly half of it is from the home, and that's something that we just haven't been considering or talking about I mean it's a mixture it's not just you know um fabrics it's obviously carpet and rugs and duvets, but it's all from our industry, so I feel like we all have a responsibility to to be talking about it, to be trying to work out how we can do something better and the awareness just isn't there in the later report it says that eighty nine percent of customers buy furnishing fabric brand new, and you can understand that because if someone said to me a few years ago, oh, where do you buy secondhand fabric? I'd be like, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe eBay, I, I don't know. But And then that's some sort of seller that you probably don't have a relationship with or, or know. And so I think, you know, we're still the only person doing what we're doing in, in, in the way that we're doing it. And I'm really aware that the textile brands that we work with obviously want to be very careful with their brand and their design, you know, a design that's on the shelf all around us right now isn't just somebody's design that that could be somebody's memory from when they were on holiday and the textile designer was inspired to create those flowers and the leaves and things like that so there's actually I feel that there's a lot of respect and and story and worth behind each pattern so I can understand why they're protected and that's also why I wanted to create an elevated website to respectfully rehome what shouldn't go in the bin yeah yeah
1: it's it's miles away from your average charity shop <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah. I, but you're right it's understanding the value mm. of what you might have on the end of the cutting table mm. Mm. yeah that's it and I, and I think until we have these kind of
0: conversations lots of people are like oh I haven't really thought about it and you know and once you set your mind on that track, you start thinking, oh, but what about this? And maybe I shouldn't throw that away. And maybe I should do something with this. And, and it's, um yeah, it, it's it's lovely. It's a nice feeling you're sort of ever growing into this person that, that's sort of seeing the world slightly differently, but in the way that that we have to, because we've just been endlessly taking from our world. And we've got to crisis point and we have to make these changes. Um, and I think luckily people are now more aware of that. And so, the brands hopefully having customers asking those kind of questions you know where did this fabric come what do you do
1: with your expert display and things like that because so what is the majority of your time spent doing now I was just the first
0: thing the customer replying to emails but that's (laughs) that's not the answer that you want to hear um my focus now is to be speaking to more and more brands to help them and we've got a great team there's six of us and we've got the sort of logistics of running a marketplace down I mean I say that we're, we're updating our website but so for me is to tell as many people about what we're doing because as soon as you talk to people generally they're like oh that's a really good point and oh yes I you know I, I had a returnable that I bought from someone and actually I've never used it and it's just sitting on a shelf so yeah my aim is to speak to every big brand and just have that open conversation say i'm not the police i'm not here to check up to what you're doing i'm just saying that we're a really great service that can benefit your brand and feed into your sustainability pledge and also show your customers that you care about the whole circularity lots of people and brands now are good about choosing natural fibers or if they're using polyester it might be recycled polyester but that's at the beginning of the stage they're not yet thinking, most of them are not yet thinking about the end, the offcuts, what happens to that piece of fabric. And so it's putting these processes in place. And that's what we're hoping to be. We're hoping to be one of those processes.
1: And what would you be doing if you hadn't um, sort of fallen into this area? Um, I actually think I'd be lampshade making because I actually
0: (laughs) teach lampshade making. Um, But I think anyone who's creative might understand this, that you just have this need to make. If you haven't made something for a while, you just like, you feel yeah, frustrated and you're like, I've got, to, I've got to make something. I've got to do something. So um, I think I'd be making something, but I think I never had the confidence. Or it's a bit like when you're cooking and something doesn't taste as good as you cooked it yourself. I feel like that anytime I make something, I'm like, oh, it's not as good as if i got someone else to do <laughs> it. Um, but I do, yeah, I do quite a lot of sort of DIY and things like that around the house. So I think um, if I wasn't doing this, I'd always be doing something textiles, I think.
1: I was going to say, is your house um, a beautiful mishmash of all sorts of different things from different places? It is. It's,
0: I mean, I've got two small children and a puppy, so it's pretty hectic. <laughs> and actually I say that I'm pretty hectic. Uh, and I think it's because I'm creative. I'm messy stroke quite, quite hectic. But, yeah. Um, it is a lot of half done projects, um, is what my house consists of, and even things like I have this mantra in my head. And actually, the girls at work would agree with me that I'm always thinking, I'll just make it work, I'll make it work. So, I um repainted our larder with some leftover paint and I put in some shelves. And then, and I before that, I wanted to wallpaper the top half, and I didn't have enough wallpaper. And I thought, I'll just start in the middle and work my way around the sides, and if there's not enough. Then I'll just put some wine bottles or something to, to hide the bit that hasn't got the wallpaper. So yeah, I mean, probably to anyone professional, an interior designer, they think goodness what's happened here. But for me, it reflects my personality and uh,
1: just sort of pulling it all together. But do you not have that terrible thing where you you sort of see fabrics and things and just fall in love with them? Oh, I've got to have that, and I wanted it, and I can't live without that, and I can't because that's my that's my problem. It's, it's just definitely. Want it everything. Is, it is. I've
0: created a sort of secret a- addicts club. I think as well. There are people who I meet who who just sort of say, "Oh God, oh, I just love following you because I just I just want to look at all the fabrics you get in." And that's that. I totally. It's totally. I've just created a business all about me just so I can play with fabrics all day. I mean, in our office in uh, Groombridge we've just got a whole cupboard and it's just full of remnants. And then we've got a whole wall that is just full of uh, rolls and rolls of fabric because I'm exactly the same. I'm like, oh, I need that. But then the good thing with me is I can take it home and be like, oh, I can see if it's going to work and then if it's not going to work, or I've had it for a week or so, I'm like, oh, I'll put it back on the shelf. (laughs) I don't
1: have to buy anything.
0: I can borrow it.
1: Um, How long does it take to make a lampshade? uh, Well, I can
0: do it in under an hour now. (laughs) I've made sure. Um, But when I teach, so I teach um, lampshade making. Um, Now it's mostly at Neptune. But when I first started the business uh, three and a half years ago, obviously didn't know what it was going to be like if anyone would come and buy the fabrics and um, so I was like what's one thing I can do so I was passionate about showing people to that they can keep a small piece of fabric and then upcycle it into something so you can buy these um lampshade kits and so I was like wait I'll show people how to upcycle a small piece of fabric and so I used to do lots of lampshade workshops going around it and I mainly just do them for, for Neptune now so when- do you
1: do all, neptune all around the country yeah or... and so it's, it's really great what they do
0: is they um keep aside the x display hangings and i go in and they beautifully press them and they invite their customers and they can choose these x displays and then make them into lampshade um Fantastic. so uh, yeah i was actually just here um, in fulham last week doing one and yeah i've been all over with them um so that's really fun and that's the bit as well that i really enjoy i love talking to people uh, who are passionate about crafting and fabrics and things like that. So that's again
1: But it's also safe to say that when you do something yourself or when make you, you make something yourself mm-hmm. or when you've or you've made an effort to find an offcut or go through Haynes and buy from there, mm-hmm. there's more meaning, you know, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And I
0: think um we're thinking of meaning and we have quite a lot of vintage fabrics as well. And it goes back to exactly what you were saying about memories being associated with designs. And that in itself will you know bring emotions and lots of people end up going oh that's a really old jane churchill that we used to have and i know you've only got half a meter but i'm gonna to have to make it into a couple of cushions and and it is it's this sort of whole lovely sort of story of your life and uh and as you said once you've put the effort in to source it make it and then it becomes this new sort of special thing that that has all these layers of
1: you in it i guess yeah. Well, that's a really lovely, it's a lovely story and congratulations on on everything that you've created because, you. you know, it was, I think everyone in the industry definitely kind of holds you on a pedestal and i hope it goes really well <laughs> in so the nice. future <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> thank you for joining me today you can hear more house guest on british airways in flight entertainment in the audio section along with our sister podcast breakout culture with lord ed Vasey and charlotte metcalfe you can follow me on instagram at carol w annett